Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome to the podcast. Thank uh, you. Thank you for joining me so early in the morning in Australia. Such a pleasure. Um, tell me what you want to talk about today. So I actually wrote my question to you over that last um, Scorpio eclipse we just had, that full moon, um, because it was coming up big time. And it's a pattern that has, um, has come up for me over the years where usually I'm on a project, usually like out in the middle of nowhere. So I have to like marinate in the triggering dynamic. I can't just kind of flip it off. And so there's a group dynamic at play. And then there's, there's a woman in the group who's a bit older than me. You like sometimes just a little bit older than me, sometimes kind of that generational gap older than me. Um, who, yeah, just, it feels like just has it in for me. And there's just sort of this, um, strange tension where I feel like just for being me sometimes without even opening my mouth, there's this sort of tension and I feel like they need to, yeah, try and kind of use weird passive aggressive tactics to sort of make me small or women more around my age or generation, I suppose, um, that you know you you trigger people all the time but that doesn't bother me so much but when it's when someone a bit older than me um a woman where it sort of I guess has this mum connotation it's like ouch like it just gets me I I can sort of read it and yeah more when it's my age so I um that came up big time over that moon and I, I sort of wanted to unpack it a bit I am here for it so I'm going to ask <laughs> you a couple contextualizing questions and the first one is, you mentioned that you're like off on projects. What do you do? So I, I'm an artist and I work as a curator and coordinate different community arts projects. So, mm, so you're working in community, but also with institutions at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And, and more and more kind of doing my own thing. Um, but yeah, a, a lot of it is very remote work and, and then yeah bringing it back into yeah just metropolis kind of context and institutions when you say remote do you mean like distance like on zoom or do you mean like out in the bush yeah out in the bush okay mm. out in the bush okay cool cool <laughs> and the other question I have is what's your relationship with your mom mm, well <laughs> um she's also an Aries um <laughs> bless her um uh, yeah it, I find it hard to be around her for extended periods of time mm-hmm. let's just put it that way it is but, very diplomatic of you yeah <laughs> I can see your chart so that is diplomatic <laughs> so okay I could say a lot there I guess let's mm-hmm. we're gonna just dive right in so just for people listening you were born April 10th 1995 44 a.m in Perth Australia Western Australia Mm-hmm. Okay. There's so much to talk about here. You are a double Aries. So that means your rising and your sun are both Aries. You were born on a full moon, your full moon baby. So you, you have a Libra moon that's pretty tightly opposite your sun and your uh, full moon opposition forms a T-square to both Neptune and Saturn in Capricorn at the top of your chart. So 
there's just like tons and tons and tons to say there. But one place to just kind of start is this configuration indicates that your relationship with your mom was stressful and inconsistent and not satisfying. Like it didn't give you the kind of nurturance and validation that you needed as a child. Is that correct? Yeah. The thing that's really important because we're not going to focus on your mom, but when you say it doesn't really like rattle you when young women are annoyed or don't resonate with you or get competitive or whatever, um, Mm. but it does rattle you when older women do. Mm. This is where I'm instantly like, okay, so we're, we're like tapping into like parental stuff. Right. And is your mom very passive aggressive herself? Yeah. Yeah. This is the thing you've got, um, this T square, which I'll unpack with you in a moment, but then you've also got a Pluto Mars square in your birth chart. And so it looks like you were raised with a lot of passive aggression and a lot of aggressive aggression, both. And do they both come from your mom? Both of those traits. Mm Mm-hmm. I would, it's so tricky to talk about because it's on the surface, you know, perfect family and me talking about it, you're not allowed to, you know, Mm. you know, you have to keep everything surface and happy, which is bullshit and unproductive. And, Mm. but yeah, yeah, there's a lot of undercurrent tension there coming mainly from my mother's direction. Yes. Do you know anything about her childhood? Yeah. Big family, a lot of chaos. No one really saw or heard or was witnessed you know everyone was loved and fed but you know it was the 70s it was pretty hectic I think a big part of your mother's behavior comes Mm -hmm. out of trauma and her early developmental experiences and this all shows up in your birth chart her Mm -hmm. her early developmental experiences taught her that being aggressive and being assertive could lead to danger and chaos. And so she puts all her effort into holding it together and making everything okay. And of course, Mm. things aren't okay all the time. And so Mm. when she pops off, she pops off. And she does it in a way where you're like hearing resentments or frustrations from the last like 30 years of her life. Um, Like this Mm. is kind of like a, a thing that it looks like happens. And so I don't know if she is like outwardly aggressive Or if it's just that she's really intense and that intensity leads to withholding because Saturn is part of this T-square. But first of all, does that all make sense? Yeah, the withhold very much on the withholding. Yeah. 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 It's a form of aggression, I would say. And Mm. it is in particular um, something that for you landed as abandonment. Um, And so, you know, when we then look at this like pattern that's playing out in your adult life with older women who you kind of like unconsciously or consciously identify as mother figures who mm. either are triggered by you or competitive with you, whatever it is, it reiterates this feeling of being, first of all, out of control. Like there's nothing you can do because it's not completely about you, but mm. it's also this form of, of abandonment that is really like hurtful to you. Does that make sense? Yeah, it just it just baffles me because it's like, oh my god, when I'm your age, I want to support and like love and younger women, mm-hmm. you know, and and so I just find it really weird and and hurtful because yeah, it's sort of sad. So it is sad, and I lo- I hope that that's true. But I'll also say, um, mm. it's easy to imagine 
when the world is your oyster and you're a young <laughs> woman and you have very little experience in your field, but the world is giving you the same opportunities as women who have 30 more years experience as you. It's easy to assume that you'll be like gracious and easygoing about that. But a lot of people, especially women who are minimized in every industry, um, you know, they don't know how to process their feelings and they do get defensive. And so I'm not defending it, but it is about contextualizing it because when we're interacting with any person, but especially an older person who's had more time to have more shit happen in their lives, we're dealing with their whole lived experience and not just what's happening in that moment. And then if we are able to, instead of like imagining what it's like to be in their position, because you can't, you can't imagine what it's like to be a 50 year old or a 70 year old or whatever. Um, I mean, you can imagine, but it's, you can't know because each of us land at each age differently, but also they're going through all manner of things that you may not be considering. Right. Mm. And I am sharing this with you, not to like make okay what they do, but because it feels so personal, it feels so personal to you that you're likely to be kind of jumping into the dynamic and reacting really strongly, really quickly to what you're perceiving instead Mm -hmm. of like slowing down and being like, oh, is this person threatened because I am young and I'm bringing in new ideas and they don't want to be edged out. Like it might have nothing to do with the things you're thinking about. It might have nothing to do with you and it might, right? Like, I don't know, but I I think that the thing about your full moon in, uh, you know, your full moon in Libra and it's, you got the moon in the seventh house, right? So it's like a really strong full moon in Libra is that you're so sensitive to interpersonal dynamics. You care so deeply about getting on with people and getting on with people well that that paired with your double Aries nature is you can kind of jump to uh, assessments really quickly that are really emotionally driven instead of uh, based on all the data that you could develop. Does, does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, it does. Yeah, And it's really annoying because you're a damn double Aries. You've got Jupiter opposite your midheaven. You've got Uranus conjunct your midheaven. You've got Mars and Aquarius in the 11th house. All of these things mean in different ways. You have good instincts. You can rely on your instincts frequently and you like to be able to move quickly through things. And that includes your emotions. And when you're dealing with these people, my guess is they're playing the role of Saturn or Neptune, which is to say, they're utterly confusing Neptune, or they are behaving in ways that are demoralizing to you, or they're being rigid and they're not like, like leaving room for interplay with you. Does, does that make sense in your experience? Yep. Totally. Yeah. First, I'm sorry. Uh, but secondly, <laughs> here's, here's the fascinating part, or at least I think it's fascinating is I am not looking at any of these women. I am looking at your chart. And so mm. it tells us that what you're experiencing is what is called the projected form of the birth chart. You're experiencing your own nature, but through other people. And so this stellium that you have, this like all you got your midheaven, Uranus, Neptune, and Saturn all in Capricorn in the 10th house. And, and this stellium of Capricorn stuff is just like, it's kind of all over the place for you because on the one hand, you've got Saturn and Capricorn in the 10th house. That is so fucking Capricorn. You've got three planets and your midheaven in the, you know, in the sign, like this is so Capricorn, but 
the rest of your chart is, it's again, it's like, you're an artist, you're spontaneous, you're a feeler. And so when you go into professional dynamics, or you're dealing with older people, both 10th house things, you start to engage with your Capricorn and the Uranus conjunction to your midheaven that's opposite Jupiter. Um, and tell me if I'm giving you too much astro babble, but that dynamic in your chart is like, okay, I just want to move through this quickly. I just want to like, trust my instincts. And I want to push through this because that's where you're most comfortable, but that Neptune and Saturn focal planets to your T square kind of slow everything down and require you to kind of process through what your intentions are, what you need to be flexible on, where you need boundaries. So this brings us to the real fucking annoying crux, which is this is really about boundaries with people that you perceive to be maternal or having authority over you. So before I keep going, does that make sense? Sure. And do you have any questions about it so far? Um, probably. Um, just, yeah, digesting as you <laughs> No problem. Cover um, the groundwork, yeah. Let me know if you do and interrupt me as, as we go, if that feels helpful. Okay. Sure. Um, because I am aware, like I mentioned, like I'm a middle-aged uh, woman. <laughs> I mean, I'm no, I'm not a mother figure. I don't feel for <laughs> anyone, but you know, maybe, maybe. And you know, I've got, I've got hella Capricorn in my chart. So, you mm. know, I'm aware as I give you this reading that I am actually like a perfect person to trigger you ironically, mm-hmm. not saying that you're triggered by me, but like astrologically, I would fit into this. So I want to just be really kind of mindful and aware that mm-hmm. um, if you end up feeling like, oh, it's coming up for me right now, don't be yeah. shy to name it because this is like a really great opportunity. Yeah. And I also just want to say like, I, I have so many beautiful women, like I love women and I have so many women friends of all ages. You know, there's that as well. It's just these like, yeah, when the the right kind of situations come about where there's just, yeah, the particular kind of person that triggers and I can't kind of just get out of there quickly, then it's like, yeah, 30. And and (laughs) when you say you can't get out of there quickly, you mean it's like a situation that persists and that you're not able to just be like, okay, this isn't working. I'm leaving. Well, we're like camping in a remote location for like like a week. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds awful. It sounds so scary and terrible, like not getting along well with somebody you're in camping situations with. It sounds awful. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, even when there's so many other positive aspects in the situation. And yeah, there's just that one little thing that, that just, yeah, gets me. Mm, okay. So let's stay with this. Okay. Because you say it's one little thing, but it looks in your birth chart like one, one massive thing that encompasses many things. Mm. So there's this way that I wonder if when this comes up, you try to make yourself smaller. Is, is that well, what you do? I get, I, I get there's so much. I get so angry that I don't feel respected, but I internalize that because I'm in a group situation and one-on-one I could deal with it, but we're like in these like, we, we all have to kind of be an organism in these situations that mm-hmm. I'm triggered in because we're like, you know, literally in these like really remote locations or, you know, situations where we just have to like get something done. Um, so it just feels like, I, it's, yeah, it's just really tricky and I'm not quite sure how to navigate it. 
yeah, I can see similar tensions in sort of a micro way coming up around the dining table when my whole family's together as well. You know, I can I can see the um, relationship there between those energies. Good. I'm, I'm glad that you're saying that because it's like what you're really describing is when you're in family situations where mm-hmm. you're like a kid and you can't leave and mm-hmm. it's like a, a perfect trigger. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't have the autonomy. Yeah. Okay. Let's try this. Let's try this. There's a particular situation that recently happened, eh? Mm. Okay. Do you mind sharing that with me? And then I can like psychic it and we can work it out from there. Does that sound okay? Sure. Yeah. Um, there was sort of um, like a group of 20 people on this particular project, which was just over the full moon. And there was, there was actually two women that within that dynamic and I'd sort of connected with both of them. Um, and then, yeah, one just started because I was the youngest person in the group, just started talking to me like I was like in year nine, like, and it was, she wasn't talking to anyone else in the group like that. And I got so mad, but I didn't know how to, address it because we were in this group like furious Mm -hmm. and then there was another old old much this woman the woman who was talking to me like I was in school even though I'm like yeah not very much not um was in her 40s like later 40s and then then an older woman who had a lot of pain I could feel I could see that but she just she was just very brisk and snappy and shutty downy and it was just like I can see it was coming from her whatever was going on old stuff but yeah I guess it was just the two of the the two energies together mm. and was really the, brought up yeah was the older woman snapping at everyone or kind of focusing on you I later saw that she triggered one of the other sort of younger people there too but um she she got me pretty good in front of everyone okay. like okay yeah, it was pretty, like that. pretty publicly disgraceful yeah that's awful I'm so sorry so I'm gonna have you say and we're gonna leap out all of this um mm. could you say your full name out loud and then say the 40 something year old woman's name sure my name is and okay. and then the 40 something year old woman's name okay hold on she's a white woman with kind of like lighter brown hair straight hair mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm seeing her right then. Okay. Hmm. Had you met her before? Yeah. And was she okay with you yeah. before? Yeah. We were, we, I, we were good. That's mm-hmm. what I was confused. She's threatened by this... you. She's insecure around you, especially in that environment. Are you kind of a sporty spice? Me? Yeah. Are you like good at camping and like, are you like comfortable in that environment? I love being out on country. Mm-hmm. My favorite. Yeah. I, I see that. Do you know if she was maybe a little less comfortable on the country? She was a little bit isolated from the group. I was really making an effort to make sure she was like, I was connecting, I connected with her. So I was just kind of baffled that she. So what speak. you're not saying, and I can see psychically and kind of hearing what you're not saying is you were trying to take care of her and she rejected your care. You were trying to make her feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I mean, I guess, I guess so. I guess that's just what I was doing on some level. Hmm. Does it not yeah. seem like you were? Well, I guess I was. Yeah. I was trying to make her feel comfortable. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. she was a little bit more isolated. She was uncomfortable and she was isolated and she was isolated because she wasn't in a situation that she felt strong in. There's like a couple things that I'm, that I'm seeing. One is she just felt 
threatened by you, not because you did something, but because you were really comfortable at something she was really uncomfortable with. It looks like the way that you were being with her was kind of like careful and gentle. Does that seem right to you? Yeah. Yeah. And she took that as because she was defensive, not saying that this is like a fault of yours, but she was Mm -hmm. already in a defensive state. And I think she took your care, ironically, as kind of talking down to her. And I say ironically because you felt like she was then she was talking down Mm. to you. Mm. So this is like this chicken egg problem. And I think this Mm. is like a kind of a pattern Mm. that I imagine I'm like seeing this in this one situation, but I think it's kind of a pattern because what you were doing was you're like, oh, okay, I can, I can show up. Like, that's not a problem. I can show up. I'm a double Aries. And you did, but I don't know that she was willing or able to be seen in her vulnerability. Mm. and you were seeing her in her vulnerability and so she acted like a jerk and it looks like she acted like a jerk it's not your fault she acted like a jerk because she acts like a jerk when she gets like this but this isn't a reading about this one woman this is a reading about this pattern in your life right Mm. and I think part of what happens for you And we're going to look at the second woman in a moment to see like, okay, is this pattern a pattern or am I just seeing this in the one situation we're going to see. But part of what I think happens for you is I imagine that you're quite nurturing with your friends, like people who you get on well with, like you're someone who takes care of people. You notice people and you like kind of show up for them. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of your great qualities and it's what people like about you. But in these situations where it goes sideways for you. What happens is you seek to help someone who doesn't want help, and then they feel looked down upon, condescended to whatever, and they get defensive, and then they act out, and then you're like very hurt because you're like, I was literally just showing up and being kind to you, and now you're being a dick. This is where I want to like empower you with actual things that you can use so that it either doesn't happen as much or when it happens, because it's going to happen sometimes, um, that it doesn't hurt your feelings as much. Because for instance, with this woman, if there's anything that you maybe could have done differently, I wonder if you asked her like, hey, do you want to interact? Or hey, do you want help? Or like, would you like to be around? Or did you just kind of assume she wanted help and wanted to be around people? I I remember asking her if she wanted to come and sit with me while we were learning this particular thing and she she said I'd love to and she came and sat with me and then she proceeded to be um yeah a bit bit funny was she kind of a jerk at that point or did she become a jerk a little bit later kind of like shortly after that Mm -hmm. as we were learning the technique yeah Mm. and were you learning it kind of quickly we were at the exact same level of learning both of us it was humbling for both of us interesting and that's when she became, that's when she became snappy. I mean, yeah. And just like, just rude. And anyway, yeah, these just seem like little insignificant things, but um, yeah, it really brought up this tender, this tender wound thing in me that definitely felt pre-verbal. <laughs> because... mm-hmm. So I agree that these specific women and these specific situations are not like things you're going to remember and you know, five months, let alone five years. But mm. the pattern is really a big deal. You know, the, th- the one thing that I saw from the start 
is that she was feeling threatened. And so whether it was threatened by you and maybe you feel like, oh, we were both struggling through this thing we were learning. She might not have felt that way. She might have felt like you were not struggling. She might have felt just like because she was struggling, her, her struggle was more important and worse than your struggle, right? Like, I don't know if she's a jerk across the board um, or if she was just being a jerk in this moment. And it she's doesn't not a jerk, really. She's not. I, I, I liked her, but then she was a, she behaved like a jerk. Like yeah. a jerk, yeah. It, it came out of insecurity is what it looks like. And yeah, honestly, most of the shitty things that most people do most of the time come out of insecurity or of some course. sort of like feeling bad about yourself. But when I, there's this thing that I'm seeing that I, I just don't know if it's going to resonate with you or not, but it just keeps on coming up and coming up, which is mm. this, this like very classic Aries problem of reading the room when people feel vulnerable or insecure or poorly about themselves. I think in, like you've kind of named in one-on-one situations, you're very good at like reading that out and interacting with that. And I think in other situations and maybe sometimes one-on-one, you really want people to feel better. And so you kind of can get yourself involved when people are not feeling right with themselves. And so Mm. this is like one, it feels like a thread of a pattern. It doesn't feel like the whole pattern, but one thing to ask yourself is like, is this actually very helpful for me Mm. as a person? Because if you're trying to build close relationships, the answer is yes. It is helpful. You see somebody kind of struggling, somebody isolated, you reach out to them. That's a great thing to do. And if what you're trying to do is like learn something and really focus on that, then sometimes your instinct to get involved is not something you can completely focus on or follow through on. And again, that's not, this is not specific to this one situation, but it does look like it's part of this pattern, like your desire to connect and to have it be really kind of juicy and close feeling is a healthy and good desire, but it's not always appropriate for the situations that this pattern comes up in. Does that make sense? Sure. So let me just like pull you back in here because I can feel that I don't know if it's not landing or I don't know if it's just like not quite, it almost feels like you don't want to talk about this anymore. So will you tap in and let me know what's going on for you? I guess I just, I guess I feel like the the little incidences that have triggered me just seem so silly. And I, I know from a mile away that people are threatened and I just, the combination of me coming with good intentions and love and compassion actually, and that being so misconstrued. Yeah, so I, I don't know, I feel a little bit like talking about the, um, you know, the ins and outs of the trigger point feels, I'm a bit, I guess, a little bit um, embarrassed because it feels like so, pe- a bit petty, even though the the, mm. the deeper trigger is, isn't, it's very real. Like, it, I think it touches something of just like that child who's just being, being itself. It's just breathing. It's just being in its nature. Yeah, when like a child is just being itself and that's a gift for everyone. And when that's like, yeah, met with such unfriendly kind of negative behavior, it gets that little child really riled up. But mm. So do you want to be a mum one day? Yes. 
one I, day. Yeah. 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 I assume from what you're saying, because it's interesting because as a woman who's 47 years old, 47 mm-hmm. and a half, not to brag, <laughs> um, I never think about nurturing people's children, like, mm. especially not adults. I mean, children, I think about nurturing, mm. but I never think, oh, I'm engaging with somebody's child unless I'm counseling them. Right. There's like a couple things you're, you're naming. And one of them is that is, again, it's this thing where you're kind of projecting your frame of reference and the way that mm. you experience the world. I mean, what you just described of like the kind of like naivete and earnestness of the inner child, again, is so Aries, right? Like you're a double Aries. And this is the thing. I'm sun, moon, and rising in Cap. You're sun and uh, rising in Aries. And when we have so many planets, especially of our big three, in the same sign, things just seem really obvious to us. Like our perspective seems like that would be everyone's perspective, but that's not the case for everyone, right? And so what you're saying is perfectly real and totally right, but it's not real and right for everyone. And I think a lot of women who no longer look like they're in their 20s. So let's just frame it that way. It's not about being in your 20s or not being in your 20s. But when you stop looking like a young woman, quote unquote, people tend to project grandma, auntie, mother onto you. And some people really like that. And some people really chafe at that. And so I want to just like put that in the mix of all of this, because I think that is a thing for you to be aware of, not so that you change your behavior, because I don't actually think you're doing something wrong. It's just about having that kind of broadened perspective. So when people act in a particular way, you might be like, okay, this is how it feels to me because of this is my worldview. And I don't know this person's worldview. I don't know where she's coming from. And I don't know what she's dealt with to get to this age. Just think of all the shit you've been through to get to 32. And you know, by the time you hit 50, that's almost twice as much. Shit. So it's like, so, these are, yeah, mm-hmm. just that thing about like, I shrink in the face of those dynamics, but I shouldn't need to shrink just because someone has a different world reference view than mine. I mean, yes, agreed. You don't need to shrink. And I don't even think that all of these situations require you to shrink. I think it's your, your trigger to shrink and your trigger to shrink is for two reasons. One is because you get pissed. You have a Mars square to Pluto. And so anger can come up really strong. Also, you're a double fucking Aries. So anger can come up really strong. But combo platter of moon and Libra, Venus and Pisces, which we haven't talked about, and having Neptune as the focal planet of your T-square, aka being in a household where that was not encouraged to do, to have like strong emotions and strong reactions. You're not like, it's not your style to be like, hey, I was being really kind to you. Why are you coming at me with aggression? Or like, did I do something to offend you? What's going on right here? Which would be a perfectly appropriate thing to do. And actually in some ways in your personality to do it, but also you have Mercury and Taurus. All of these things are non-confrontational. Like when somebody acts a fool around you, instead of you being like, huh, what's up? Like, are you being, are you being a fool? Or did I do something? Like, instead of just naming it with them, you do shrink. But I agree with you, you don't have to. I mean, sometimes you do because life. But I think that the pattern that we're, we're like getting at is about how you feel both about people, but also how you feel you're allowed to take up space. And with your peers, like with younger people, it sounds like it just doesn't trigger you as much. And that's more about what 
power you attribute to older people than it is about who these individuals are. So would you ever, in a situation like you were with this woman, where you're being like totally nice, you're in a group situation, you're stuck somewhere with her, and she turns around and it's kind of an ass to you in that moment, even though that's not who she typically is, would you ever, honestly speaking, be able to say, oh, that kind of hurt my feelings. Did I do something to upset you? Yeah, I I could actually. Yeah. But I of, I often just like need a bit of space to process like, was that like not okay? And I did think like if we had a moment one-on-one later in the day, I'd just say, hey, that really triggered me, you know, when you said that thing and that thing. Um, but it didn't sort of come up and then it was just like too far gone. So I just let yeah. it slide. Well, it was just, was too, you have to sort of get it closer to the. Agreed. That little, Agreed. Mm. It's not like you're trying to process with your partner. It's like mm. a colleague, it's somebody you're working with. It's mm. different. Mm. I would encourage you. So I'm just going to kind of give you this little thing. You can put in your pipe and smoke it later kind of thing of mm. coming up with one to three quick little one-liners that you can say when you feel an ouch. And one of them could be to the effect of, oh, did I offend you? You don't have to know that they did something shitty. You can just be like, and you don't have to tell them that you're triggered because saying that you're triggered is a very intimate thing to say, because what you're really saying is you have triggered something that exists inside of me, not you've done something wrong, that something inside of me is aching and you pressed on it. That's what saying that you're triggered is saying. And Mm. I don't think you need to give somebody who's being unkind to you or or even to somebody who's triggering you in that moment that much of your truth and your intimacy. Mm. You get to protect yourself more, right? Because even saying you're triggered could be a way of making yourself small in in effect. Mm. Whereas saying like, ouch, oh, did I upset you just now? Because that kind of, that felt sharp to me is a way of kind of putting it back on them and asking Mm. a question instead of sharing too much about how it landed for you. And if she says like, what do you mean? Then you're like, okay, she is being a dick. Cool. Good information to have. Or Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I just snapped. I'm having a hard time with this. Great. Good information for you to have. And Mm. it's not just about having information. It's about interrupting that cycle where you, you kind of, pull back, shut down, abandon yourself or make yourself small. And I think it's kind of like a combo platter of all of those things. Mm. I even saw it when we were talking about in the camping scenario, I want to say by the campfire, but you didn't say you were in a campfire, but I'm assuming that's where you were. So when you were in that situation, we were talking about it. I could feel you kind of like pulling back energetically. And in that way, I think that's part of what your pattern is, is when you start to feel something that you've determined it's not safe or appropriate to process, there's a way that you kind of pull back and into yourself so that you can figure it out later. Yeah. Yeah. And that process, it's really interesting because I noticed I could feel it because I'm psychic, but it wasn't 100% because I'm psychic. You also changed, like your body language changed. And so if I was feeling defensive or insecure, or if I thought you were like, never insecure at all. And that you're always like super open, which a lot of people I'm sure feel about you. Cause again, devil Aries, I would take that to mean maybe that you didn't like what I was saying or that you didn't like me. And then if that happened and I was already feeling defensive or insecure, then I would put up my wall a little higher. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And so this is where a very small practice of naming things, not even asking a question, yes, but it's really about naming things like, oh, ooh, d- d- that was that mm-hmm. what I thought it was? Could be very helpful for you because it would mm-hmm. interrupt your own pattern of pulling yourself out of a situation, mm-hmm. which I think kind of adds to the dynamic. Often the behavior that triggers me is either cutting me off or in unvalidating something that I've said. Mm. Um, It's always something to do with like stamping me out or downplaying Mm. me. So me coming back with that was kind of, that wasn't so cool or whatever, you know, I kind of counteracts, I guess, the desired effect. I think that's important. And, And I'll add to that saying like, what was it that you just said? I think I said that wasn't cool. That wasn't cool. That's right. That's what you said. So that I actually would have encouraged you to avoid. And let me tell Mm. you why. Mm. Because when you tell people what it was, Mm. you have stopped the conversation. That's Mm. a defensive approach. And when you tell people what happened, again, you've stopped a conversation. And so that's more a, a function of feeling like you have to defend yourself, then Mm. it is a function of you being able to say that hurt my feelings. Did I do something to upset you? Or that felt sharp to me. Is something going on? In a way, what I'm recommending that you do is give them like one, like, ouch. Basically, there's a lot of ways of saying the word ouch, but I would encourage you to just be like, ouch. What happens when we identify ouch, I know I'm making this sound really simple, but bear with me. Um, (laughs) When we basically identify like, ouch, that hurt, people tend to be less defensive. When we say that really triggered me, or, you know, I feel really upset because you did this thing. Now I'm defensive again, right? Mm. So just being like, this is my experience, ouch, or I thought we were getting along. Did did I upset you just now? Like Mm. throwing it back on them and asking them to explain Mm. why they behaved a particular Mm. way. It's more effective. So it mm. it's it's not shrinking yourself, but it's also not asserting your version of what happened. Yeah. And and I think that's Speaking really important. Rhetorical. Yeah, yeah. Because what I'm seeing is part of the pattern. And I think sometimes you're just dealing with people who are like having a shit day or are just jerks, right? Like sometimes they're jerks. Everyone's a jerk sometimes, to be fair. But I think a part of the pattern for you is people get insecure or they're having a rough day or a rough moment and it gets kind of thrown at you in part because you're engaging with it because you're trying to help in some way. And sometimes maybe you're engaging with it because you've no choice because you're in a fucking situation with a human person. But when I look at this, I'm seeing that this is again, you know, as I said at the beginning, like this is really about boundaries. And I don't just mean boundaries with these women. I mean, boundaries Mm -hmm. with yourself to say, First of all, this woman does not have any actual authority over my actual life. This woman doesn't have any actual authority over my self-esteem. I am maybe giving her that authority in this situation for very valid reasons or not valid reasons, depending, right? But your feelings are perfectly valid. Even if she didn't think she was snapping and you're overreacting, your feelings are still valid, even if you're overreacting. I don't like this idea that like, because we're overreacting, our feelings aren't valid. No, Mm. our feelings are always valid. What we want to make sure that we're doing is responding to our reactions in a way that doesn't make our heart hurt more or our life more Mm. unmanageable. Mm. And I think part of what happens for you is your coping mechanism 
is for you to do exactly what you're scared is being done to you. It's like getting small. Are you somebody who like gets into fights with people? Like, do you have conflicts with people that are verbal? I can, yeah, in certain contexts, yeah, I can speak up. I guess not, not all the time. So let me just be slightly more um, mm. me about it um, mm. and say you're 32. In the last mm. 10 years, have you had fights with people more than thrice? Fights like conflict talk, um, like aggressive conflict, conflict talk. I've had a few rounds with my mark, maybe like, yeah. I'm talking, okay, so I don't mean your your family of origin or somebody you're dating. Talking about Uh, friends, colleagues. No, I wouldn't say so. Okay. Um, Not yelling fights, no. How about like aggressive, like conflict talk? You know what I mean by conflict talk. Conversations at like a pub where you're like debating something. No, no, that is <sighs> discussion. What I'm talking about is like, you crossed the line and I want to talk about what's going on or like, I'm really upset that you did X. I've had conversations with people, but not like aggressive fight fights. No, not, not heated. Not, maybe a little bit. I'm not very, I'm yeah, I don't know. I, um... It's interesting to me that this question I'm asking you is a little confusing that we're like, trying to figure out what even a fight is that's the yeah. answer if you don't know what a fight is that's yeah. the answer right there I you know what i mean the yeah. yeah yeah that's the answer um because fights with friends yeah are not always screaming sometimes they're just like you are hurting my feelings what is happening why are you blah 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 you know what i mean like that's mm. but you know if you're fighting with people you know mm. if you're not trying to avoid with- that it's so yes. exhausting okay so exhausting here we are we have arrived my friend <sighs> Okay. So you try to avoid conflict because it exhausts you. Mm. And when people do not avoid conflict, it just feels like there's no room for you because you don't know how to engage with it without being a part of the conflict. Like I know it's a silly individual experience, but this one woman, you know, in this one situation was kind of a dick in that moment. And instead of kind of engaging with it and being like, that's mean we're not mean to each other. What's going on, which would have been perfectly appropriate and not dramatic or yelling, but it would have been like, mm. you push me, honey. No, please don't push me. Um, <laughs> you pulled back. And this mm. is where, you know, I mentioned this thing called the projected form of the birth chart. Yeah. I've heard you mention it before. Mm. Let me tell you what I mean by it. Mm. So when a thing is in your birth chart, that doesn't always mean it's your personality trait. So much of what we see in our birth chart is our personality trait. Like you have a Libra moon in the seventh house. You really care about your relationships. You are very nurturing towards people, very loyal. Um, and, and you're very relationship minded. Like you're thinking about building connections with people and how to, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. So that you identify with, however, You've got a Mars-Pluto square in your birth chart. You've got Saturn and Neptune as focal planets to T-squares. So what you less identify with is being rigid, um, Mm -hmm. being really kind of aggressive, being easily irritated, having Mm -hmm. a real hard time sharing power. You don't identify with those things. Instead, what happens (laughs) is you unconsciously project out your birth chart. And the Mm -hmm. way that you do is you pull in people Mm -hmm. who behave that way. 
and this is what all humans do. It's not just like you, it's not a personal Mm -hmm. failing. It's just, this is how it goes. So there's this way that you're engaging with these patterns so that you can find ways of as healthy as possible, um, embodying your own anger, your own Mm -hmm. ambition, your own relationship to power or rigidity or flexibility, adaptability, right? These situations where the other person might be kind of like technically, you know, doing these things to Mm -hmm. you or at you, it puts you, it pushes you up against a wall so that you have to respond one way or another. You have to engage. And this is how we embody the birth chart. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's through the projected form where some circumstance or person kind of like forces our hand. And so in your chart, this is about how much power you are willing and able to hold around other people you perceive to be powerful and how you engage with rigidity, which is related Mm. to power. You know, there's lots of ways of holding power, but most people, the more power you have, uh, the more rigidity comes up. And this is why when somebody who's like 29 years old does this or 35 years old does this to you, you're like, whatever. And when somebody who's like 45 years old or 65 years old, you're like, this is wrong. (laughs) Mm. And so Mm. the cool part, I'm going to call it cool, but like as a counselor, I think it's cool. It's not going to be super cool to you. (laughs) But the cool part of this is that you are engaging with these people and they happen to be these women, right? You're engaging with these women and what's essentially happening is you're engaging with yourself, right? Mm. You Mm. are having these opportunities to access parts of yourself that you aren't choosing to access. And Mm -hmm. so the universe is like, that's cool. You want to be forced? We got this lady here. She's really (laughs) rude when she's insecure. (laughs) We'll just put you out on a camping trip. Cool. (laughs) And it works and it works. Mm. It just doesn't work easily. So let me tell you what's happening. When I was studying your chart, girl, Mm. every part of your chart that is involved in this dynamic in you is being hammered right now, which is why that (laughs) shit went down. (laughs) I know. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's fucking on. And it all started in February of this year. Right. Does that make sense? Did you start having stuff in February? Yeah. It's been like a bit of a bull ride. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. like a lot on constantly. Yeah. yeah. And mm. it won't be over until. Do, 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 do. Oh man. Um, the summer of 2023. So mid year, my mm-hmm. winter. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's when I hand my thesis in. I think that's my home stretch for my. That makes perfect um, sense. Thesis. Yeah. <laughs> that makes perfect mm. sense. There, I mean, I'm sorry. So it's a PhD is that what you're getting? Yeah. 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 There's no better way to have terrible transits than to get a PhD. I have never (laughs) seen it go otherwise. It's just like, it's a very intense, uh, very ambitious (sighs) thing to do. And so you are having Saturn and Uranus lean on these parts of your personality and Mm. they're doing so, so that you come into your own power in a way that is in alignment with your values. Mm. And you cannot mm. do that if you are quiet when somebody steps on your toe every time. Mm-mm. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes it's appropriate to be quiet when someone steps on your toe. You know, mm. we don't want to go into a rigidity of like, you have to assert yourself every time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's about being able to assert yourself in the moment when somebody hurts your feelings 
by being a dick. And I know I keep on saying being a dick and that's not your words. And you've kind of like tried to pull me back from saying that a couple of times. But part of why I'm, I'm saying this is because I think part of what happens for you. And again, this is like classic Libra moon, Venus and Pisces shit is that there's a way that if I say that she was being a dick, there's this part of you that's like, no, she's not. She's a nice person. She's a really yeah. nice person. And I like her. And what I'm saying is in this moment, she was being a dick. And what yeah. you're hearing is she is a human dick. And they're <laughs> really different things, right? Those are really different things. And I want to just hold space for each individual action it. is not the thing, right? And you can be a lovely person and a terrible jerk mm. in a situation or in several mm. situations and still be a really mm. lovely person. And mm. she may have done something that, I might not have really noticed, but really rubbed you the wrong way. And that's valid. Mm. And so within all of this, within all of this, what I want to kind of like bring you back to is you are stepping into ownership of your craft and skill of your lived experiences as a grown ass woman of, you know, like healing work you've done around family of origin stuff, which is a, like a forever until the day you die work, but still, you know, you're, you're in this place of ownership around that. And it is perfect timing for this stuff to be in your face in a very annoying way, because <laughs> this stuff could be in your way, or mm. it could become when integrated a real source of power. And this is where like the T-square in astrology, and I keep on referring to your T-square, a T-square is when you have two or more planets that are opposite each other and they form a square to one or more planets. And so in your chart, the sun and moon, uh, both square to uh, Neptune and then slightly more loosely to Saturn. Mm -hmm. And so those focal planets, in your case, Neptune and Saturn, what they are saying in your chart is that you are somebody who could be a great authority over whatever it is that you are doing professionally, because this all lands in your 10th house. You are somebody who really cares about the environment you're in. Neptune in the 10th house, especially because it's really close to the midheaven. If you're working on a project or, you know, like whatever for a job and the people and the environment don't feel like a yes to you, it can fuck everything else up. You're so sensitive to environment. And so one bad apple ruins the bunch is the expression. And for you, that really fucking means something when it comes to this topic. Like it really can throw you off your center. Mm -hmm. And I'm using all these words to say, you are really sensitive and you deserve and have the right to validate those sensitivities and find ways of taking care of yourself around them. Because you don't want to take yourself out of collective environments and you don't want to stop working with older women and people in general, and you don't want to stop on your path. So the work becomes noticing what comes up for you in those situations and seeing if you can make a different choice and practicing, experimenting with it. Because mm. not only you know, do these transits end in the, in the winter of 2023 for Australia, the summer here in the US, but at that time, you're going to be 33. So you're going to be hitting your Christ year, which is kind of like the integration year for the Saturn return. So all the mm. shit that at 30, 31, 32 started to seem like it kind of went away from 28, 29, your Saturn return, mm. it comes back, you know? Mm. And so I would be really surprised if this theme didn't play itself out during your Saturn return in a meaningful way. And so mm. 32, 
is the age where I want to really encourage you to very consciously uh, notice how you're engaging in this pattern and to, to really explore ways of engaging that are more effective for you, that are you taking better care of you, um, mm. understanding that one way of taking care of you is not creating more drama. Like you don't want mm. that. Mm. And that doesn't mean not advocating for yourself or honoring what's happening for you. This thing I was saying about the jerk, right? If you say to me, hey, Jessica, that feels really rough. Like that hurts my feelings. Ouch. You know, <laughs> there is this part of you that fears that if I then respond poorly, or if I don't respond ideally, that then I'm going to think you're a jerk. And if I think you're a jerk, that is very mm. hard for you to tolerate. As mm -hmm. opposed to being like, oh, I said this thing. Maybe I said it poorly. Maybe I said it wrong. Maybe I said it perfectly. It doesn't matter how you said it. You could be perfect. You could be the worst, anything in between. And how I respond to you identifying your needs and your feelings is a reflection of me. It's not a reflection on your value. And if I identify your value based on a single thing you do, then yeah, I'm kind of a jerk or I have major problems with myself that I haven't worked out yet. A little potato, potato. And <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, and I want to just like hold space for this because part of you giving yourself permission to get it wrong when you have kind of ouchy conversations with people is you needing to be more flexible adaptable, mm. right? Mm. It's okay to get it wrong because you're just trying. And mm. it's okay if she got it wrong because she's trying. It doesn't mean mm. you're entitled to act a jerk or she's entitled to act a jerk. It means mm. it's okay if you acted a jerk because you can apologize and you can make better. Mm. And often these women do come back and apologize because Good. they know they're being a jerk to me. I think that gets my Venus in Pisces and then I'm like, like, and then I'm like, you knew you were being a jerk. Here's the thing. It is good. And also if you are not driven to be diplomatic and make yourself small all the time, then you mm. too will be a jerk sometimes. Mm. And if you, you know, if you're doing your work, then you'll be a jerk and you'll be like, oh shit, I'm sorry. That was rude. We all yeah. do that. If you work around mm. people, it's kind of inevitable. Mm. and some of this is about you you know I mean again you're a double Aries do you trigger people duh yeah yes yeah <laughs> double Aries I mean there's just you don't need to be a magician mm. to figure that part out you have Uranus mm -hmm. on the midheaven when you show up in work environments you're a disruptor that's kind of your magic that's your whole fucking thing you got a north node in Aquarius or Mars in Aquarius in the 11th house Uranus at the top of the chart yeah you're an innovator and I imagine that's what you want when we're not talking about this topic. Like you like being innovative and being able to disrupt things that aren't working within this, having the flexibility to be like, I have done something that is outside of how I'd rather do it or, you know, didn't get received well. And that doesn't mean that I did the wrong thing. Mm. That, mm. that right there is so, again, it's small, it sounds so small, but it's like a mm. core thing for you to give mm. yourself and even others permission to be able to, to do. And mm. for somebody who's like kind of wired to rattle people and rattle situations a little bit, mm. you're very empathetic, you're very kind, and you care, you actually really care. And so I am not worried about you going forth and being like, you know, like stamping your feet and your, and your fists and like just being a jerk. I'm not at all worried about that. And I, as an astrologer have the perspective that the more 
that you take up space being a little bit more honest about like, mm. huh, that, mm, that feels a little like, are you, are you feeling something towards me? Like what's happening here? Again, being inquisitive, the more that you can do that, the less this pattern will show itself because yeah. you'll be embodying your chart. So you won't need to get into situations that force mm. you to embody mm. your chart. Does mm. that make sense? That does make sense. What you just speaking to just sort of brings up as well, some kind of yeah, trauma around like if you do call something out and make a deal of it, this comes back to, I think, kid, family dynamic, lack of autonomy, then you've got to stew in the other people's emotional immaturity and it's going to be hell. Yeah. So you just shrink and, and coast because otherwise you, you're stuck in hell yeah. and you've, you're, you, you, can't, you can't do anything, you can't leave. So, so there's, that, that fully was coming up. Just I could just feel that kind of in my chest a bit when you were speaking as well. I think I loved what you said about just experimenting and playing mm. with it. And just, yeah, it's a game. It's all, it's all a big game, right? Like, yes. So just like play and know and just, try, I don't know, try and rewire that thinking that like, yeah, no, I have, I have agency now. I don't need to be, even though I'm stuck in these situations to bring that to the fore. Anymore. Yeah. I mean, and you know, have a lot of patience with yourself because these kind of early developmental experiences that set your chart, um, just because you're like, you know, 32 and you like technically know better doesn't mean the core wounding goes away just because you're 62 and you technically know better does not mean that the core wounding goes away. And, mm -hmm. you know, having empathy for that part of you, that's like, I'm so scared of reliving this mm -hmm. is part of changing your survival mechanisms function. Because when you mm -hmm. say to your survival mechanism, whatever you want, I'll give you anything you want. That's terrible. That feels like shit. And if you say to your survival mechanisms, I'm going to change you now, then they just get stronger. Mm. And so being willing to be like, yes, this is my wounding and it's being triggered in the situation, but the situation is not the same situation. So I'm going to mm. play and, you know, you want to play and you want to experiment because again, Aries, right? It, this mm. like thing of things being a game, Aries. Yes. Mm. And you want to mm. be able to hold that and to know that you'll sometimes engage with people who respond really well to that. And sometimes mm. they won't. And mm. that's, they're both okay. Ideally, mm. everybody's happy all the time, but when missteps are made, you can come back from it, you know? Mm. And I think that that's a really important part of all of this mm. because, that Saturn at the top of the chart and that Capricorn stellium can be like, it's written on the stone. Now we're not friends. Now we're enemies. Shit. Whereas what's really happening is you had a shitty interaction because she was obsessing on something that had nothing to do with you and she snapped or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's a valuable thing to be able to like hold space for without minimizing yourself. And this is a practice. And I would say that the stuff in your birth chart that we've been talking about, I've never encountered anyone ever who has any of these dynamics in their chart, who's like healed them all in the thirties. Like, that's not a thing. Like mm -hmm. give yourself space to be uncomfortable and to not feel weird about it. Cause I know that earlier in the conversation, you're like, oh, this feels like we're talking about something petty, but it's not, it's just finding, finding a way to tap in to something that's really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And I think when you tell yourself, oh, this is petty, I mean, I think it's good to say, like, am I being petty? But once mm -hmm. you've identified this is how I feel and it's a strong feeling, as long as you're not being petty about how you seek to understand it and cope with it, it doesn't matter if it's petty. In other words, don't pathologize your emotions because that's what was done to you. 
and this is hard because this is a deep matrilineage thing. And if we had like mm. an extra hour, we'd just be talking about your childhood and your mother's childhood, honestly, um, mm. because that's really at core to all of this. But mm. hopefully through this conversation, you have like some tools and insights that you can kind of like unpack from here. And if you have time this morning, when we get off the call, take notes about whatever it was that came up. And I want to encourage you to take notes about things I said that you don't agree with or that feel mm. wrong or off or whatever. Like I, as the person who said them, I want to give you like full carte blanche <laughs> to like be in the emotion of that and be with your own thoughts around it and to, mm. you know, to write it down as well as the things that really resonated and felt right for you so mm. that you can give yourself permission to be in the wholeness of your feelings and thoughts. And then mm. you can return to them in a couple hours, in a couple days, in a couple weeks and be like, do I still feel that same way? Do I still mm. think the same thing? And this mm. is a great way of knowing yourself. So, you know, whether you land on Jessica's a jerk or not is okay with me um, because it's a great opportunity for you to like be with yourself and take care of yourself without mm. like judging yourself for having whatever thoughts or feelings you have. I don't think you're a jerk. I think <laughs> you're, you. Thank you. yeah. I, I appreciate the bomb. Thank you. You can, but just so you know, you can change your mind in 15 minutes and I'm okay with it. Like, I just want, yeah. I want you to have that Cool. for whatever it's worth. Yes. Awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah. Lots to, lots to percolate and, um, and I'm sure there'll be seeds that will, yeah, I'll take with me. That is, that's is the hope. Yeah. Come it's been so lovely getting to talk with you. And I, I know that you're going through really intense stuff right now. Like it is, it is actually really heavy and intense. And you know, when I, when I pulled up your chart, I was like, well, this is why we're doing a reading because Mm. your core stuff is being activated in a really heavy way. So be gentle with yourself, like be patient and gentle with yourself because the universe will just do this really great job of bringing your shit up and being like, look, it's your shit um, mm. in any number of ways. Um, and, you know, again, in my experience, just as somebody's consulted with people, if you're doing a PhD, when shit like this is happening astrologically, it'll all come up around the PhD because it's so consuming. And so, you know, don't let that color your enthusiasm for your accomplishments. Because I see that you're working really hard and you're doing really exciting work, which I know is a little off topic of what we've been talking about, but it feels really important for me to name. It just looks, it looks like you're doing exciting stuff. I'll keep that in mind. And um, yeah, thanks so much for your time and deep dive. Um, yeah. So cool to meet you. And, Great to um, meet you too. Yeah. Take care out there. Thank Until you. Next Until mm. next time. Take really good care. Yeah. Thanks. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye. Supporting local abortion funds that help arrange and pay for abortion care for patients who need it is one of the most impactful actions you can take for reproductive justice today. Planned Parenthood is great, of course, but also consider donating to the Yellowhammer Fund, Mississippi Reproductive Freedom Fund, and Margins, Women Helping Black Women. The links for all three of these orgs are in show notes. If you or someone you know is a pilot, you can consider becoming a volunteer with elevatedaccess.org to help transport passengers at no cost to them to access gender-affirming and abortion health care. 
And finally, the Church of Prismatic Light is a religion for LGBTQIA plus people and allies who want religious freedom to have the right to bodily autonomy, marry who they love, transition, and have gender-affirming care. You can find them at prismaticlightchurch.org. All right, let's talk about it. This week has been really painful. It's been really, really rough. More than half of the United States population has had our human rights violated. And this is, of course, clearly just the beginning. But so many of us are just being racked by grief and fear and upset. And within that, many of us are showing our asses. And many of us are dealing with other people who are showing their asses. Now, I don't mean to put shade on asses because I love a good backside. But you know what I mean. When we feel our worst can be when we act our worst. This is a lot. And it is hard to be graceful when we are dealing with so much pain and fear individually and also collectively. Inevitably, there is anxiety and fear and uncertainty right now. So if you're at all impacted by what's happening, not just, you know, as a person living in a society, but also as an empath or a highly sensitive person, you're likely to be feeling pretty bowled over in these days. And that may show up as anxiety, exhaustion, irritability, disassociation, panic, the list kind of goes on. And I want to just first of all, acknowledge that that's real. And you're not alone in that. That said, it is important to remember, I mean, so important to remember that we are in a marathon and not a sprint, my friends. If we are to stay active and activated, we're going to need to have sustainable and healthy ways of approaching and experiencing these emotions and these realities. And I have some words that I'm going to share about some kind of practical ways to participate in the world. But first, let me say this. In order to be an impactful ally, accomplice, or activist, at least to, to really be impactful on a sustained and meaningful level, you've got to know yourself. You've got to know what you can and can't do in a healthy way, what you are and aren't good at, and what's realistic for who you are and where you're at. So there is some important self-reflection and self-acceptance that is required for being a part of any collective movement, right? And in this past week, I've gotten many questions from people about where to begin to participate in the system and in being an activist. And this isn't the first time when something really terrible happens that impacts so many of us that folks in your passion and in your emotionalism are like, okay, I want to figure out my way of participating. Like, what's my way? And I want to say, if you have not been engaged in the fight for reproductive justice before this week or any other important social justice movement, right, before recent days or months, I strongly recommend that you find organizations and activists who've been doing this work for years and back up their work. So there are people in the reproductive justice and the body autonomy movement 
that have been working hard and effectively for years, just like that's true for the climate crisis, for trans rights and queer rights issues, for racial justice issues. So it's important to remember this. If your activism is solely emotional and reactionary, you'll burn yourself out. And that means you won't be impactful and you won't feel good. We need strategy and intentionality. All movements do all the time. I mean, I'm going to wrap it into astrology. Don't worry. But all movements need strategy and intentionality. And this happens through community building and skill sharing and time. Yes, time. It takes time. And so it is really key to not need to be the star of the show. And listen, we're here to talk about stars, right? It's astrology. And I want you to know that I believe every individual is special. And I know that so many of you want to be special. And that's important for you. And I know that it doesn't feel special to phone bank or put stamps on envelopes. But often it's the mundane and boring tasks that are what is most desperately needed for activist movements. So try not to center yourself by needing to be special or the star of the show. Uh, You do not need to reinvent the wheel. My loves, my loves, there are existing social justice movements. There are existing activists. Learn from them, not by DMing them or emailing them and asking them to teach you, but learn from them. Read their websites, read their content, you know, figure out how you can support their movements. And if you're a person who likes working within the system or you just your, your brain works this way, it is a good idea to find and support lobbyists that are working towards things that you believe in and you care about or to become a lobbyist yourself. Now, I promised you some astrology. So Pluto is in Capricorn, right? We know this. It is the Pluto return of the United States in the zodiac sign of Capricorn. So working within capitalism to overturn or transform capitalism, not a bad idea, you know? We need all the ideas. We need all the approaches. Let's not be puritanical or idealistic. This is a big fight. And a lot of approaches will be helpful. We don't just need one approach. So as a far-right, Christian extremist Republicans are turning things over uh, to states' rights. For now, states have power, right? And that means getting involved in local and state politics is wise. It's impactful. It's effective. So work with local groups. Work with people in your communities to create change locally. Don't look to your birth chart. I say this as an astrologer who has dedicated more than 30 years of my life, the bulk of my life to astrology. I'm not looking to my birth chart for how I'm going to participate in the world. I'm not doing that. And I don't encourage you to do it. Instead, I encourage you to look to community leaders, social justice leaders, see what they are asking for and do what needs doing. You know, this is really important. Find a way that is realistic and sustainable for who you are and where you're at and participate. Participate in the system that we're living in as bullshitty as it is. Participate in the world so that it can better reflect what you want it to. Don't wait for other people to save you. No one's coming to save us. We save us. We are the majority, right? And if we come together, our collective power is undeniable. Now, I got one more thing to say. The Supreme Court 
I don't know how we get these people overturned. I don't know how we impose limits on their tenure. I don't have the answers for that. But I do know that in terms of hierarchical power structures, this is classic bad news Capricorn vibe. They will not stop on their own because they don't have to. You know, you don't need to be an astrologer to see that it's about to get ugly. It's about to get real ugly and it's happening quickly. Find ways that you can be a part of this tide of change. Because whether you sit on the sidelines or you get activated, you are a part of the change one way or another. And because this is all happening as a result of the Pluto return of the United States of America, we can all trust that Christian, patriarchal, white supremacist values are what we're dealing with. And connected to that are violations of the land itself. They are inevitable themes that we will see interwoven through all the injustices that the Pluto return brings to surface. These are the themes that are at the roots of our problems as a nation. And we need to deal with these issues personally, as individuals, and collectively as a group. So, you know, there's no easy path forward. There's no simple path forward. It's just time to giddy up because this is going to be a bit of a wild ride. And while we are not able to change some fundamental realities, a lot of fundamental realities of what we're dealing with in our histories, etc. We have power. We are powerful when we come together. So if you're feeling isolated, find community. Support that community. And in turn, that community will support you. Okay, I know we need to get astrological because that's what we're here to do. We're going to look at the horoscope for July 3rd through the 9th of 2022. How are we halfway through this year? Uh, are you wearing a mask indoors around people? Are you wearing a mask? I feel like you for sure are wearing a mask uh, when you're around people indoors because you're not ableist, right? Like you care about other people and also you're taking good care of your health. You're taking COVID seriously still, right? Like I know I am. And I'm sure you are. That's where I'm going with it. But but just in case you're not, let me say this. Jupiter still in Aries. So we got this fast spreading COVID going on and, and COVID is spreading and it's spreading fast, right? This was my worry about Jupiter and Aries that it moves like wildfire and that it has been. But now we are feeling the Saturn square to Uranus. This transit, which I've talked about a ton because it was happening all of 2021, it comes back into a seven degree orb at the start of next week. So we're really going to be feeling it now. Okay. And the Saturn square to Uranus means a lot of things. One meaningful thing is we're going to be dealing with issues of infrastructure way more, which if we want to upset the Supreme Court, is good news. Uh, and if we want to deal with infrastructure in terms of like bridges and roads and public transportation, not as good news. Basically, it's upsetting. And certain things we want to upset and other things, uh, when they get upset, everything gets upset. And so it's a sticky, tricky time. But in the context of COVID specifically, 
You can expect the unexpected. You can expect that the infrastructure that we have, in other words, uh, what governments and corporations are doing to uh, keep the populace safe, are likely to run into problems. So use your common sense above all else. You know, just a little common sense. It doesn't usually hurt you. Now, from an activist perspective, the Saturn Uranus Square is an opportunity and it's only happening through the rest of this year. So it is a limited time opportunity to create revolutionary change to our systems of governance. So use that as you will, my friends. Now, specific to this week, I want to just start it off by saying uh, the Mercury square to Neptune that I talked to you about last week, it was exact on the 2nd of July. We're still feeling it at the start of this week, and it is an anxiety provoking transit. So if you have been feeling pretty anxious and overwhelmed, uh, we can blame the transit. I mean, we can blame lots of things easily, but certainly we can thank this transit for it. Mercury square to Neptune is kind of the last transit we need right now, but it's the transit we have. So uh, be gentle with yourself, especially if you're feeling anxiety and know that this transit, like all transits, will pass. Now on the fourth, we have one exact transit and two ingresses. So if you're new here, an ingress is when a planet ingresses, aka moves into a new zodiac sign, right? And so if you're an astro nerd and you're following along with Astrology for Days, my transit tracking app, you'll notice that all ingresses, like in the side panel where it draws out all the transits, are always written in blue. So it's like at a glance, you can see a planet is ingressing into a new sign, but I digress. So on the 4th, Mars ingresses into Taurus and Mercury moves right on into, aka ingresses into Cancer. And when they both make that move, they form a sextile uh, between Mercury in Cancer and Mars in Taurus. This transit is a really great transit that I've got, you know, some words for because Mercury sextile Mars is energizing. It is a transit that makes it fun for getting out there and flirting, for reaching out to people, for making moves, you know, especially socially. Mercury and Mars together, especially in a sextile, they're going to make for a fun night out or afternoon out. Lots of things to talk about, lots of things to do. Uh, it'll spark ideas. It will help to motivate you to move a project forward, especially if that project is mercurial. It involves communication, uh, learning, ideas, etc. And that's exciting. That's good news, right? The ish side is we're still very much feeling the Mercury square to Neptune. So if you are overwhelmed by anxiety because you're already a little bit down the rabbit hole with Mercury square Neptune, and then the Mercury sextile to Mars comes along and kind of uh, pushes you forward because Mars is, is pushy, right? It makes things move. It can just feel pretty destabilizing. And so there's an easy fix. Maybe I'll say a simple fix instead of easy because self-help is not especially easy, even when it's simple. But the fix is this. It's to use the energies that we are feeling on the third, the fourth, the fifth. Use those energies to be really intentional about where your thoughts go, about the people you choose to engage with and how you talk to them, the energy that you're bringing to the situation. 
If you use that sextile, that 60 degree energy that is so creative and dynamic, if you use it as a way to achieve or attain some level of progress, uh, if you use it as a way to bolster your ego and self-esteem, this can be really helpful on the tail end of the Mercury-Neptune transit, right? It can help with anxiety is what I'm saying. But it takes some level of intention to make that shift. Without intention, you may end up just feeling like things are moving forward and you can't keep up because you're still feeling really anxious or you haven't fully recovered from that transit. So those are just some things to consider. And, you know, with that, my friends, you'll do your damn best. No more, no less. On the sixth, we have another exact transit and it's another sextile. This one is a Venus sextile to Chiron. Now, Chiron. Chiron kind of features heavily in this week's horoscope, for better and for worse. And when we're dealing with Chiron, we're not just dealing with situations, right? We're dealing with our psyche on a meaningful level. It's important to remember Chiron is not a planet. Chiron is an asteroid, and asteroids and planets do not function in the same exact way. Okay. Uh, And just as a side note, it's hard to find information about the asteroids in general and Chiron specifically on the net because there's not as much information about the asteroids. They have not been used uh, for as many years. Astrology is very old. There's a lot of existing data and research about uh, the planets, not as much about the asteroids. So, fun facts. Okay, back to the transit. Venus sextile Chiron. It's an opportunity to tap into your values around relationships, around finances, around gender, around beauty. I mean, Venus governs so many things. But to be able to actively engage with chironic themes, in other words, to be able to actively engage with where we have pain points, where we have beliefs that maybe don't serve us or that are uh, kind of a result of the interjected perpetrator, aka, we have taken on beliefs and attitudes from people who have caused us harm or wish us harm, whether that's looking at it systemically or from our early developmental experiences. And usually with Chiron, it's a combo platter of the two. Venus sextile to Chiron is an opportunity to kind of deal with these pain points in our psyches and in our lives, but to deal with them in a way that's not especially painful. When we're dealing with Chiron and Pluto and sometimes Saturn and Neptune, you know, even in the easy transits, they can be kind of hard. It depends on a variety of details. Uh, But this sextile is an opportunity to align yourself with your values, what you value, how you experience that value, how you express that value, and what you feel is in the way of those things, right? It is essential to value yourself. And not because you're better than other people, but because everyone has value. Each and every one of us have value. And if anyone is telling you that you don't, uh, yeah, this is a great time to Look really honestly at why you're keeping them around, why you're engaging with them, and if there are healthier ways for you to do so. Because that sextile between Venus and Chiron is an opportunity to achieve greater self-awareness and to translate that self-awareness through how we relate to others because Venus is very relational. 
listen, uh, I'm not going to promise you that Chiron's not going to bring up pain because it's fucking Chiron. Uh, Chiron can bring up pain. However, whenever we have a sextile, a 60 degree angle, we have the energy of creativity. And so seek creative approaches and solutions to your most stuck or difficult problems. That's the opportunity here, right? And that brings us to the next exact transits. On the 8th, we have a Sun square to Chiron and a Mercury square to Jupiter. So let's stick with Chiron here, right? So if you're doing your homework like a good astrology nerd, then on the, you know, 4th through 7th, what you're doing is you're investigating your values, right? You're you're looking at whether or not you've taken in and on uh, beliefs or values that are not really yours, that don't really reflect what you believe. This is a time for dealing with relationships, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then the sun square to Chiron gets activated. We're going to feel it the 7th through the 9th. It's exact on the 8th. The sun square to Chiron is intense. The sun is your identity and sense of self and Chiron is wounding, right? So what we're dealing with through this transit is deeply psychological and spiritual, not just situational. And of course, collectively, we are dealing with the cruelty of patriarchy. And we must strive to find ways of staying whole through the experience of that, right? Building a sense of self returning to a sense of self, validating our right to be whole and big. This is essential. It's essential part of life. It's an essential part of this transit. And what this transit is likely to do is to trigger some sort of painful experience or catharsis that confronts us with ways that we are not whole within ourselves, that we are playing small, uh, that we have been systemically or individually and personally shoved into a damn corner. This transit is difficult. And unfortunately, when people feel threatened, and this transit can bring up feeling really personally threatened, because again, the sun is, is about like the center of your chart. It's the center of your identity. And so when people feel threatened, it's when we tend to act the worst, right? So maybe not you, maybe you're a goddamn angel. But other people are likely to act poorly. So I want to say, sure, don't take it personally, because not everything is really personal to you. Slash also, I hate it when people say that, because if it's happening to you and at you and around you personally, then yeah, it's personal to you. But the kind of point that's important here is that oftentimes, not just sometimes, oftentimes, the way people behave, including you and me, the way we behave is a reflection on our mental state, our history of lived experiences, our epigenetics, our, you know, so many things, and not about the specific situation we're in or the people we're dealing with. We're projecting all manner of shit upon things, right? And again, if you hear me say this and you're like, that's not me, that's not true. Okay, fine. But it's definitely true for many humans. So in this kind of situation, what we can do when other people are showing their ass is to understand that that's a reflection on them and not on you, right? What's a reflection on you is how you respond. It's how you take care of yourself. It's how you show up in interactions. And 
it can be very easy whenever the sun gets triggered to be defensive, to be like, I have to prove myself. I have to get validation, right? And that won't do well. Let's add some extra complexity. It especially won't do well because as I mentioned, Mercury is also forming an exact square to Jupiter on this day. So this transit on its own, I actually think it's one of the like funner transits. Uh, Mercury square to Jupiter on its own is a time where, you know, you just like you end up running into someone on the streets and talking to them forever. And it's really fun and uh, inspiring or you learn something new. Uh, Maybe you talk too much. Maybe you don't listen enough. But it's not like a terrible transit. It's no sun square Chiron, that's for sure. But it is an error to use astrology and only look at each individual transit in a vacuum. We need to synthesize the data, classic Jupiter stuff, right? And so in the context of the larger conditions that we are living in, there is an increased risk of propaganda, uh, misinformation and disinformation, gossip, and just generally not listening to reason. Mercury square Jupiter can have you running at the mouth or have someone else running at the mouth. It can have you in situations where you are not listening to others or they are not listening to you or no one's listening to anyone. Everyone's just barking into the wind. Bark, bark, bark. Which can be satisfying if you're one of the barkers, but only for a minute. It's like, uh, what do they call that? A Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Doesn't do anything that needs doing. Mercury square Jupiter at its best can be a time where we learn and we are emboldened to connect to others and to take in ideas and to share of ourselves. But at worst, it is propaganda. It is the abuse of information. It is not listening, uh, not being honest or forthcoming and talking shit. So terrible combination to have with the sun square to Chiron, especially in the context of all the larger themes we have playing out in our uh, world, right? Yes, it feels good to say something witty and biting and petty and cruel when you're dealing with bullshit. It feels really good, but it doesn't add anything to the world. So resist the urge to shit talk, gossip, and pull gotchas on people this week, and especially on and around the 8th. You may be right. I may be crazy. Oh, wait, that's Billy Joel. Astrology. You may be right, but shoving your truth down someone else's throat will win no hearts and no minds over. That's just not how it's done. And someone else shoving their truth down your throat? Yeah, doesn't work, right? It just doesn't work. If you are consuming news, which I really hope you are, if you are consuming news, be a critical thinker. Don't jump to conclusions. If somebody sends you an article, look at the date before you read it. Look at the date it was published. Is it three years old? Is it three minutes old? Who published it? Is a reporting agency reputable? Have you ever heard of them before? Uh, We have to be critical thinkers in this time. Mercury square to Jupiter tends to lead to messy thinking. So, you know, tighten up is what I want to say. Just tighten up. On the positive, this transit in combination with the sun square to Chiron can embolden us to truly seek the truth. It'll be a lot easier to be defensive and sloppy and shit talky. It's not healthier. It's not better. It'll just be easier for most people. So pick those battles wisely, my friends, because I don't know about you, but I sure as hell don't have the energy to waste. Not these days, right? 
So that's it. That's your damn horoscope. Might not be that sweet, but it certainly was a little short. As a quick rundown, we're starting to feel the impact of the Saturn Uranus square again. We are still at the start of the week feeling the impact of the Mercury square to Neptune. Also, on the 4th, we have Mars moving into Taurus and Mercury ingressing into Cancer. We have Mercury and Mars forming a sextile to each other. On the 6th, we have a Venus sextile to Chiron. On the 8th, we have a Sun square to Chiron and a Mercury square to Jupiter. As always, if you get value from this here forecast, I invite you to join me over on Patreon, uh, especially because it's the start of the month and you can listen to the month ahead horoscope that's on the kittens level. Uh, in July, my loves is going to be intense. So giddy up, get over there, join me. Let's get woo. Let's get astrological. But if you're not into Patreon, that's cool. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and Give it little five stars on whatever platform you're listening. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, writing a review is always super helpful and deeply appreciated. And I just want to remind you that if you took my High Times and Addiction webinar, whether you attended live or you've watched it since, on July 17th, I'm doing an AMA based on that talk, and I'm really excited about it. I'm doing it on this new platform called Social Hour. It's it's going to be cute. It's going to be It's going to be fun. I'm very excited about doing this. So you can uh, register for that class on my website at lovelaniato.com where there is always transcripts for this here podcast. If you like to read along, if you're like, wait, what did she say? Just use the search bar on my damn uh, website and then you can find any topic, any theme that I've covered on the podcast uh, most easily. Listen, we are going through difficult times and if you are feeling overwhelmed, anxious, frightened, that's okay. It's actually really healthy to have that response. We are not in normal times. Things right now are not chill. And they're not going to be anytime soon. And so identifying the healthiest and most sustainable ways of coping is a good idea. Asking for help, not isolating yourself is a good idea. And if you're like me and you're more of an introvert, yeah, I mean, you find a way. There's there are always ways. You don't need 7 million friends and to walk into a community of 50 people at a potluck in order to find community and support and to offer yourself to community and to be supportive to others. There's a way for all of us. And this week's astrology presents the opportunity, not the easiest one, but a good one to find yours. Stay safe out there. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Every year they say the 